Today in Business from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy to use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60 day trial at shipstation.com slash tech news. That's shipstation.com slash tech news. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey there, this is the spoken edition of Wired. Fighting a wildfire in Texas, watching a sinkhole swallow eight priceless sports cars, cutting pollution with chainsaws. Hear Chubb customers tell their stories at chubb.com slash podcast. And stay tuned after the show to hear how a new broadband network will deliver the internet to 40 million people in Mexico. In Ed Lee, San Francisco, Utopia and Dystopia are Neighbors by Adam Rogers. From the tall windows of Wired's offices in San Francisco's South of Market neighborhood, I've watched almost a decade of radical change made physical in concrete and glass. The city's forest of new skyscrapers is at least in part the legacy of Mayor Ed Lee, who died early Tuesday morning after almost seven years in office. San Francisco is rolling into the second quarter of the 21st century with the purposeful but cautious stutter step speed of a first-generation self-driving car. The wealthiest, youngest, smartest people on earth live alongside some of the poorest. Utopia and dystopia are barely a few blocks apart. That's the city Ed Lee built. It's a cliche to say upon a politician's death that he or she had a complicated legacy, but here we are. Lee was a housing advocate who presided over a city in a deepening housing crisis, facing massive gentrification, displacement, and homelessness. He was, by most accounts, a quietly competent bureaucrat in charge of a city undergoing a tech boom, fueled by Silicon Valley's weird strain of techno-libertarian, oligopoly-friendly capitalism and its handmaiden, hashtag disruption. Not everything wrong in San Francisco was his fault or even under his control, but hey, he was the mayor when it happened. As always, San Francisco is surfing the wavefront of the future. Every American city will have to deal with increasing inequality, housing problems, and the concentration of wealth in businesses that need fewer human workers and endanger independent retail. The policy decisions that those cities make and how they think about their relationship with capital will be shaped by San Francisco's outcomes. It has always been a city of booms. When Richard Henry Dana came to the Bay Area in 1834, having bailed out of Harvard for a couple of years on a training ship, he found a whole lot of nothing. Rolling hills, beautiful views, and back-breaking work moving hides. But as Dana wrote in an afterward to his book about the experience, two years before the mast, when he returned in 1859, a city had spread across the hills, the staging point for gold miners heading up the Sacramento River and steamers to the southern part of the state. 
Dana himself was a celebrity. Two years before the mast had been one of the only books about California many of the new Californians had read about their adoptive home before moving. California has always been America's spatial instantiation of the idea of the future, if not the actual future itself. The booms the state periodically emits are iterations of the idea that westward equals forward equals onward. For most of the 19th and 20th centuries, San Francisco was a lab for technological advance alongside social experimentation. There's a reason Star Trek locates Starfleet Academy and the United Federation of Planets headquarters there. It just fits. As a civil rights lawyer and then administration appointee, Lee was already fighting for improvements to public housing in San Francisco when the dot-com boom came in the mid 1990s. He was a respected bureaucrat with limited political ambition in 2010, when then Mayor Gavin Newsom was elected lieutenant governor. As the New York Times reported, then Newsom and the board of supervisors thought they had the juice to appoint a progressive to the job, but former mayor and political mocker Willie Brown and Rose Park, head of the powerful Chinatown political machine, rolled over the more left-leaning possible replacements for Newsom and instead found Ed Lee. Granted, being politically moderate in San Francisco is like being a communist anywhere else, and Lee was generally well liked. He'd be the first mayor of Chinese descent in a city with a large Chinese-descended population, and while he'd still be an advocate for affordable housing and LGBTQ rights, he'd also look for compromise with the city's real estate developers. Indeed, he did. Under Lee's leadership, the city passed the so-called Twitter tax break, more formerly the Central Market Tenderloin Area Payroll Expense Tax Exclusion, which exempted companies from paying payroll taxes on new employees if they signed negotiable community benefits agreements and moved to the Tenderloin, a multi-block area of squalor and poverty that abuts the glossier financial district. Twitter was an early beneficiary, moving to an old furniture showroom on Market Street. Also during his tenure. Google became one of San Francisco's largest commercial tenants, with over 720,000 square feet of space. Is that a lot? Uber has more than a million, and arguably the crowning development achievement during Lee's time in office is the tallest building in the city, still under construction, named for mostly to be occupied by Salesforce. With all that tech money and with all those tech workers, 170,000 jobs came sidewalks clogged with Apple earpods and boost electric skateboards. The Google buses almost got to use San Francisco bus stops for free until Lee came around to charging seven dollars and thirty-one cents per stop. The annual Salesforce conference closes down much of the South of Market neighborhood. An expanding convention center ensures lots of pedestrians are always wearing lanyards and badges. Billboards advertise software of indeterminate or indescribable function. Oh, but the region forgot to build any new houses for those people. San Francisco's social progressivism masks a deep conservatism. Some of it is a consequence of the success of those mid-twentieth century social experiments, the gains from which few San Franciscans, long time or recent, want to lose. Of course, the embrace of sex and gender diversity hasn't extended to racial equality. In 1970, San Francisco was 13 percent African American, and in 2016, it was 6 percent. More than 2,000 African Americans left the city every year between 2010 and 2014. Really, though, the baby boomers who bought cheap houses in the Bay Area in the 1970s and 1980s benefit from Proposition 13, a 1978 law that allows California residents to pay taxes on the value of their house when they bought it, plus negligible increases, and to pass on that benefit to heirs. For almost two generations. 
some Californians have not paid as much for the services provided by cities and states, like, say, schools and infrastructure, and have accrued huge amounts of value in their property. But if they move, their taxes will skyrocket. So anything they see as jeopardizing the value of their homes, like denser development or difficult parking, is a near existential threat. As a result, California has a housing crisis, and it's most acute in the Bay Area. The New York Times notes that Zillow says the value of a home in San Francisco when Lee became mayor was $685,000. Today, it's $1.25 million. Median rent is $4,450 a month. Since 2010, San Francisco added 70,000 people and has built just 14,000 new housing units, or maybe it's 11,000 new units. Numbers vary by source. Since 2011, there have been 16,000 evictions. At least 7,500 people are homeless. In some neighborhoods, like the Mission, gentrification has brought displacement. All the new bike shops, third-wave coffee shops, and yoga studios used to be something else. Also, weird stuff. The headquarters of the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals in the Mission District deployed autonomous security robots to keep people in nearby homeless encampments from trespassing. The owners of new restaurants and bars that hope to cater to the booming tech population complain that staffing is difficult because servers and kitchen workers can't afford to live anywhere near where they work. The other problem is that techies don't eat out that much, and their offices have ultra-luxe cafeterias anyway, often free. The Twitter tax break brought Twitter, but the tenderloin is still the tenderloin. As one of my favorite urbanists, Darren Anderson, puts it, "Everyone's dystopia is someone's utopia." San Francisco gleams at night. A new bay bridge connects to Oakland. The new Trans Bay bus terminal, with a probably fabulous rooftop park, is just months away from opening. A subway to Chinatown is almost open. A last legacy of Rose Park, who died in 2016. It's a great city in which to eat and drink. It has bike shares and dedicated transit lanes and electric buses. For some people, San Francisco is better. Young techies who had been content to live in suburban Silicon Valley during the dot-com bubble want to live here. That's what brought the buses, the gentrification of the mission, and ultimately Google, Facebook, Uber, and others opening offices in San Francisco skyscrapers instead of suburban office parks. Lee wasn't just a bystander for that change; he was an advocate. So what happens now? Lee's replacement, at least until a June election, is London Breed, head of the Board of Supervisors. She'll be the city's first African American woman mayor. Ed Lee vetoed a law that would have limited the amount of time owners can rent out units on Airbnb. Breed was the law's author. If tax breaks and coddling couldn't get California's tech giants to be better citizens, maybe some old-fashioned suspicion or animosity will. More housing would also help. Breed is part of a new generation of politicians poised to win in a wave next November. They're women, especially women of color, and they aren't baby boomers like Lee. This is Generation X, and hang on, I'm looking for a shutter emoji: millennials. Whatever changes she brings to San Francisco, her political contemporaries will bring echoes elsewhere. The companies whose names are synonymous with not just the San Francisco boom, but the American economy, are taking heavy fire for enabling hate speech, for damaging the fabric of society, for monopolistic business practices. For undermining the press and democracy itself, now they will have to contend with more trouble at home too. This podcast was made possible by Chub. Hear how this broadband network will change millions of lives in Mexico right now. Forty million people in Mexico do not have access to the internet. 
our company, Altanredes, is building a network that will connect them to the world. Chap wrote insurance policies that gave the Mexican government, our investors, and partners the confidence they needed to make this happen. They also cover our construction risk, damage to the network, and environmental exposure. For a project this complex, Chubb was the one. Hear more stories at chubb.com slash podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.